guys, welcome to another episode of the Dirty Giants podcast. We got a special episode this week. Uh, we have Russ Collard of Mossback, Nevada, and we're going to talk about the upcoming um, draw results that will come out ten- tonight. So uh, we got some good information for you. Russ, if you kind of just want to tell us a little bit about your role in Mossback, Nevada, and kind of how you got into it, and then we'll ask you some questions. Yeah, yeah. so Mossback, Nevada, essentially uh, was just a partnership between me and Doyle um, because I loved hunting Nevada. I started hunting over there 17, 18 years ago, and it was just the, the place where I wanted to be in the fall. Um, the, the quality of the animals, um, what you know, for instance, the, the elk in September, they do what they're supposed to do, and I love elk hunting, the, the archery bucks, the people, everything else. It was just, it's just where I wanted to be. So that's, that's what got me to, to spend, you know, basically from June to December there every year. Yeah, there's, there's not many places like Nevada. It's kind of it's so desolate. Not many towns, not that many people, but definitely some giant bucks and bulls and, and everything. So um, with, with the draws coming out tonight at midnight, um, what, let's talk about like some of the units that you think might be like some of the top units, your favorite units to guide in. Uh, we'll start with deer and then we can move to elk. Um, is there just yeah. like a particular unit or hunt that you really, really enjoy? Well, it just, you know, again, you say something like that, you have to start with archery, August 10th, you know, you're just anywhere, you know, in the any of these better units, the 231s, the 241, 245s, 221, 223. I mean, we, we've even started doing some hunts up there in 071, 079, a lot more open country, but, you know, great genetics and, and really fun hunting. But, you know, it's just, for us, a lot of the stuff we do, um, landowner wise, you know, we'll be in those, in those Eastern units throughout the, throughout the whole archery hunt. And then basically you move into the, to the muzzleloader hunt and we're hunting the bucks that we still know that the huntable, the best huntable bucks in any of these better units um, with the muzzleloader. And it's a great time frame to hunt because people are, it's almost like they're scared of hunting the, with the open sided muzzleloader. And it's one of the best, opportunities to kill a big buck in Nevada every year is, is in that muzzleloader season. Um, and then you pull into the rifle hunt and, you know, you're, you're grinding these bucks up that have been hunted for the last two or three months. And again, looking for the, for the best bucks that are huntable in those units and anything, you know, we've, we've definitely started spreading out a lot more into the area sevens, um, area sixes, We've been doing some of the area 101, 108 hunts, stuff like that. And then anything across that eastern border of Nevada is where, where we love to hunt. And then you can pull into those late hunts, those November 5 through 30s, you know, in some of these units that are uh, the 271, 272s, the uh, 26, 261, 268, the uh, 211, 213s, just, just a real fun rutting deer kind of uh, more of a grind desert type of hunt, but, you know, for the right hunter, it really sparks the interest that they're looking for. Yeah, you can't, you can't be 
hunting the rut, that's for sure. So you kind of mentioned that a lot of people are maybe a little timid of the muzzleloader, but you think that's one of the better hunts. Um, how has that kind of changed with the trail camera law? So um, kind of like you, you have to stop, you have to pick up your cameras, what is it, August 1st? Has, has yeah, that made that so we, a little more difficult? Well, especially in some of the thicker country, the the deer, you just, you know, you're you're not able to have that up-to-date information, what waters they're hitting and everything. Everything you're doing now is with glass, you know. So, yeah, it definitely mm-hmm. makes it harder on us because there's a buck that we knew was there in, in July, basically. He got most likely hunted the whole month of August. Um, by not just only outfitters, but also the non-resident, the resident draw people. And then now you're into muzzleloader season on, what is it, the September 10th, I believe is when that starts. And, you know, you're, you're basically 40 days away from the last time you know what water that deer hit. So, yeah, that definitely changed the game in Nevada. And now you're just, you're, like, like I say, it's your eyes. You're using your eyes. You're not. You're not using a trail cam or anything else now. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's got to make it a lot more difficult. I I know it probably varies with region and um, buck, but so let's say you you get a cam you get a buck on camera in July. Does will he typically stay in that area throughout, um, like the like September and early October? Um, again, it just kind of depends on the area that you're in. A lot of these deer do typically stay in the general vicinity there of, of where you've preseason scouted them, essentially, you know, you, you set up a trail camera, say in June, you got this buck, you watched him grow. It's a deer that you're wanting to hunt. And so, yeah, dude, you're, you're going to be spending your time in, in that area. Now, with that being said, we've, we've had some deer, um, even in the velvet that have moved anywhere from 5, 10, 12 miles from where we got our first trail camera picture of him to where we actually killed him at, you know. Um, and without having the cameras, you're not able to kind of track his pattern of where he's at and where he's moving, you know what I mean, just because we try blanketing the area, basically um, every water source available you know, we want to have a camera on it so we know what what is there and what is what is in the area, what is what we're going to go after this fall. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's got to that's got to change the game though. Like you said, kind of rely more on glassing. Um, just a lot easier, even like mentally, to know like, okay, this buck hit last night or even two nights ago. He's got to be in here somewhere. We can we can try to glass him up instead of like okay, this bike hit this water two months ago, but we got to just hope that we he's in here. Especially hunting some of those Nevada bucks, you I mean they can hide for for weeks without without being glassed up, and then all of a sudden they just appear out of nowhere. Oh yeah, I mean for sure you're you're definitely you know point on I guess. If if you know this buck's hitting water, I mean, you know, there's there's a time we was hunting a buck, and man, he'd hit during the middle of the night, and we would only see him glassing him up every 
you know, eight to 12, 14 days it took. And once, once hunting season started, I think we hunted him 20, 28 days before we finally glassed that buck up, you know? Um, so it, it definitely helped us to stay in the area and hunt that deer knowing that he was hitting a water source. It's just, you know, everybody thinks just because a deer hits the water, you should be able to glass him up every day and there, you're not <laughs> going to do that. Yeah, just because you have them on camera definitely doesn't mean you have them killed. It's a yeah, whole yeah, it makes a difference. I mean, <laughs> you know, pulling off the deer, we we found an elk the the 19th of July last year and never killed until the 28th of October. Jeez. So when you have, like, an animal like that, like a deer or buck that, I mean, a buck or elk, um, and you're not seeing them, like, once but every... 10 days, 12 days, how, how do you keep your client like positive? Like, Hey, like this buck's worth it. We gotta, we gotta put pressure on him. How, is, how do you stay mentally, mentally uh, focused and keep your clients mentally focused? Well, we kind of, we, basically what we like to do is we like to try hunting kind of with the same client year in, year out. I think it makes you as a better team and a better hunter together. So as that being said, your the focus that you, you add to each other, you know, mentally and physically just talking to them and, and, you know, talking through the day's hunt and the next day's hunt and maybe even the following day after that, just trying to stay positive about it, dude. We know this deer's here. Let's just keep on pounding it. You know, there's so many people that after a couple of days want to give up. And, dude, if, if, if you know a deer's in the area, you have to hunt him, you know. You, you can't give up on a, on a deer, especially, especially if it's a caliber buck that, you know, you're looking for. One, you know, a, over a 200-inch type deer, you know, you have to stay focused and hunt him. And you have to let your, let your hunter know, you know, he's here. We, we just have to stay here. You, you can't quit. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's gotta be difficult though, but yeah, definitely scrolling through your guys' Instagram and on your website. It looks like you guys have it figured out. It looks like in 2019, you guys, you guys killed it. Is, was that one of your better years as far as killing um, big bucks? or is that is that pretty typical year for you guys probably pretty typical i mean we're pretty lucky with with the amount of scouting and everything else we get to do i mean like this year for instance i think we'll have five guys starting to scout um right off the bat and and be ready prepared for you know august 10 i mean you know we we got one of the statewide deer tags we got one of the statewide elk tags we got one of the statewide sheep tags so we'll have as much time on the ground pre-season as anybody else in nevada you know to help us out and that that's not only helping you know the statewide guy i mean they're looking for the needle in the haystack you know the the 230 240 bucks the the 400 plus bulls the you know the mid mid to high 70s low 80s type sheep um so with with our summer scouting, we, we transform that into what our draw hunters and our landowner tag guys, those are the bucks that were the bucks, the bulls that we're looking for. And that definitely helps their excitement level. Like you just said about the, you know, how do you grind out a deer for seven, 10 days when, when you haven't seen him every day, but it's, it's knowing that deers around the, the area and, and having 
as much preseason information as possible about the animal. Yeah, and I think I think you touched on something um, kind of important. Like, so a lot of people think when when an outfitter has a statewide tag that um, maybe they wouldn't want to book with them because um, they're going to kill the bigger buck or bull. However, I think like you just said, you're going to spend more more time than anyone out there um, trying to find the biggest bucks and bulls in the unit, and you're going to have all this inventory of of bucks and bulls. So I think I think that's a a major plus that you guys are spending so much time in there trying to find the statewide tags. You're going to have a lot of inventory for your draw hunters and your landowner hunters and. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's the furthest thing from the truth trying to say that we're only trying to cater to one guy. For instance, you know, everybody everybody that books with Mossback benefits by what the statewide guy, you know, the money he put on the ground um, this year. You know, 2019, for instance. I mean, look at look at you know, three quarters of the bulls that we killed last year, we knew about already because because of the summer scouting and not killing a statewide bull until the 28th of, of October last year. You know, we had all that time, all that money invested, and all the manpower invested into that, which just equated into us being able to harvest a lot more quality animals that, that we knew about. I mean, you know, taking a guy to an albino bull and saying, here he is, you know, on the, I think it was the 7th or 8th of November last year, you know, the 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 oh the big heavy bull that we killed with Mark Heck in the in the archery season. We've been watching that bull for three years, and to be able to go up there and, and kill a bull that you've had that much you know, time spent you know with him and stuff like that, it just really helps out. So how do you even start to prepare for those for those hunts, the statewide hunts, when you're just like I mean obviously they're looking for one of the bigger bucks or bulls in the state. How do, you, how do you kind of wrap your head around that and start scouting for that and start looking for those animals? Is it just like a, another typical hunter, or are you – I mean, there's got to be a lot of pressure. Yeah, oh, definitely. You know, there's people that don't want to do it. There's, there's multiple outfitters that will not take the statewide guy because they don't, they don't want that pressure, you know, because you're, you're looking for the number one animal in the state, be it the, the deer, elk, or sheep. You know, it, it's – it's the best of the best. And, and you, people are always looking at us and, you know, they got our eye on us. Well, why didn't you kill this bull or why didn't you do that? Blah, 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 down the line. Well, you know, we, we essentially, I start, I start with my trail cameras, oh, June 2 to 5 every single year. Last year we started in the middle of May. There was a lot of water last year, so it's totally different. And then, I mean, dude, I, I glass every morning. All day long, I run trail cameras. The last hour or two a night, I'm glassing again. And then it's just a rerun every single day until hunting season starts, you know. So we have a, a select group of guys that, that are employed, and that, that's what, what our goal is, is to find the number one animal in the state. Yeah. Yeah, well, it looks like you guys, like I said, definitely do a good job at that. So – Kind of when you find an animal that you're extremely interested in that you want to hunt, um, do you do you go back and try to pattern him and keep 
continue to glass them up, or do you kind of like keep them in your back pocket and go look for other deer or elk? Um, how do you kind of like so once you find the animal you want, what do you do from there? It all kind of depends on on the situation, where the animal is, and where he's living at. But of course, if it's something that we want to hunt. We want to know the ins and outs. We want to know everything about the animal without blowing him out. Um, so whatever that takes, you know, staying away a ridge, going to a top of a mountain where the wind is right so we can glass down on him, um, you know, pound every single water source that you know is around within a five-mile radius of him, essentially. I mean, just you want to know everything that animal is doing you know, day in, day out, as much as humanly possible without blowing him out. That makes sense. So if you accidentally blow him out, do, they, do you feel like they tend to come back, especially if it's a preseason thing? It, sometimes yes and sometimes no. There, there's been animals that we've blown out, um, you know, accidentally bumped or spooked or anything, and – uh, the the furthest elk I've ever had move was 27 miles. Jeez. You know, so, and again, the, just the luck of finding the animal again, but being able to be out there day in, day out truly helps you be able to find, you know, have a chance of finding him again. And then there's other animals you can blow out, and the next day they'll be on the same ridge again. You know, just every, every animal's, different that's that's what makes hunting you know the best of the best dude it's the best job in the world you know you're, <laughs> you're matching wit with uh, with an animal that you know essentially he wants to stay alive and we want to take him right yeah so what what has been your favorite hunt you've guided in nevada or been a part of <laughs> uh, i'd rather just go by, by seasons and species because it starts again yeah. you know it, it starts with the statewide we you know we're trying to of course we're trying to harvest a bull and a buck right off the bat if possible you know if we got a giant found we'd like to kill him and then it moves into mm-hmm. archery deer hunting and dude i love archery deer hunting until the deer until the elk start bugling and as soon as they start bugling i want to kill every single elk there is until they quit <laughs> or the season's over you know so for me to try saying that there's one hunt that's over the top of the other, I, I just can't, I wouldn't be able to do that. I mean, I, I like hunting certain animals during certain seasons. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So last year you guys kind of killed a, a famous buck, I'll say, um, the, the double D buck. Uh, you kind of go into that and tell us <laughs> the history of that buck and, and how you guys got him killed? Well, yeah, it, it, it was a deer down in 24 that everybody, everybody is looking for. I mean, there was a handful of years that he was statewide worthy and, and the statewide hunters were trying to kill him. Just, he was, everybody would get him on a trail camera. And then as soon as he started popping on a water, man, it would, it would get crazy to where there'd be 20 to 30 cameras on a water, you know, and then he was just such a nocturnal buck in the country that he was living in is just, it's unforgiving. You, you, you would go out there and you would think there's no way you can't see every single deer out here. And it's just, it's just not, I've gone, I've gone multiple days in 24 without even seeing a deer, you know, let alone seeing a good buck. 
and for this deer to live as long as he did and then to make it through this year, for instance. We had trail cameras of him, pictures of him early on, and um, we hunted him during the archery season. We looked for him during the muzzleloader season. Um, we we were in there hunting the first week of the rifle deer season and nothing, you know. We were, we were fortunate enough to take another great typical buck um, in that time frame, and then uh, – we got in there the second week of the season and glass in hunting, actually looking for another deer and all of a sudden double D there he is. And it was just all hands on deck. Um, me, Cameron, Joey, Nick, um, Mikey, Balin, Earl, we were all in there and just what basically watched it go down. It was crazy. Um, the deer, we spotted him early. Oh man. Early on. I'd have to I'd have to scroll through pictures to see what day we killed him, but the uh, it was just an all day event. I mean, he bedded in a spot where we couldn't get a shot on him. Watched him all day. He would get up, feed, move this that. We got Balin and the hunter in position, and finally, about a half hour before dark, we were able to take the buck. <laughs> That's got to be so satisfying after watching a buck over the years, not only just the season, to finally put your hands on him. What like what yeah. kind of emotions went came over you guys, and how was it to finally put your hands on him? Yeah, it was a very special time. I mean, the buck for sure is regressed. You know, I mean, a lot. Like I would guess the deer's anywhere from 11 to 13 years old, and to live that long. <laughs> with the amount of people, I mean, the great hunters that hunted that deer, looked for that deer, tried killing that deer. And, and for us to be able to do that, it was, it was very satisfying. Jeez. <laughs> That's such a cool deer. I'm looking at the pictures right now on your Instagram. We'll get them from you guys and, and post them up so the listeners can see, but he's a, yeah. he's a definitely regressed. It looks like, but just giant bases, like you said, really old deer. <laughs> that That's awesome. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was just just a true old legend that made it, you know, his full lifespan. And hopefully we'll be hunting his uh, children here soon. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of that, the draws come out, like we said tonight. Um, it's got to be pretty exciting. I mean, we kind of went over the deer units that, that you guys like and that you guys guide in. Um, what are some, like, do you feel like all the elk units in Nevada are, are pretty can produce giant bulls or is there a few that are definitely better than the others? Um, well, yeah, I mean, every unit, I feel like every unit in the state of Nevada has the opportunity of killing 350 plus bulls. Um, with that being said, of course, you know, you look at 111, 115, it's the best of the best. It's historically killed more giant bulls than every other unit combined in the state of Nevada. It's, it's just that special of a, of a unit. Um, you know, super rough, rugged. There is a little bit of easy country, but anybody that's hunted 11 knows it's, it's, you know, it can eat people up. Um, right. but it's, it's the best of the best, you know, and then, then you go into the 22s and the 23s, 076s, um, that, that unit, uh, 078, the Spruce Mountains, it's been, you know, kind of under the radar until the last few years. And it's just because the, you know, I'm pretty much basically a resident hunt, you know, there's, I think there's still only one, one archery elk and one, one muzzleloader elk hunt in that um, unit now, but just a, just a really fun hunt. Every, 
every elk hunt in Nevada is fun. Do you guys take clients on, um, like, every unit, depending on what they draw, or is there just certain units you guys guide in? Um, like, we stay away we stay away from the, uh, like, the jar bridge unit. We've hunted it a couple of times. We're trying to be able to hunt the BLM on that versus being able to go into the forest and the wilderness. It just makes it – I don't feel like we're giving our clients 100% you know, because we got to miss so much of the the unit not having the Forest Service permits for there. So, you know, we stay in like, for instance, 07, 076, 081, 111, 115, the, the Spruce Mountain, 078, 105, 107, uh, the 231, the 221, 223, 131, 132, 108, stuff like that. The 121 elk hunt, it, that's another hunt that – I, I think that the, the bulls are just getting better year in and year out on that, on that unit. Yeah. Well, definitely Nevada has been maybe the best in the West as far as producing just complete giant bulls in the last few years. Um, yeah. But, year in, year out. There's no doubt. I mean, you, you get a, a good rain year. It's hard to beat Arizona. You know, every once in a while there'll be a freak killed in New Mexico, but, you know, look look at Utah, for instance. It's just, you know, you hate to see what happened from the early days, the heydays of Utah, the the 2005s to 2008 and 9 when, I mean, dude, there's killing 20, 30 freaking 400-inch bulls a year. You know, it's just <laughs> yeah. not like that in Utah anymore. Nevada just has enough rough terrain, keeping minus the, you know, there's a couple muzzleloader hunts, but, you know, minus the archery hunt, everything else is out of the rut. The muzzle most of the most of the units, the muzzleloader hunts are October 22 through November 5, and then you got the the rifle seasons November November 6 through December 4. You know, it just it, it it gives some of these bulls a chance to live. You know, I mean, I don't agree with the the cow hunting that's been going on in Nevada. They're kind of mimicking the Utah guidelines, I guess, for cows and and. Mm-hmm. It, it, I, I think you might start seeing a little bit of, you know, decline in the size animals just because these, these big giant bulls, you know, when a guy's out there in the middle of September trying to shoot a cow with a rifle and this bull's trying to breed a cow, that giant's not going to be out there in that hay field or out there in that flat or that basin, you know, with, with a guy with a gun shooting cows. He doesn't want, you know, he'll be secluded somewhere. Yeah, he doesn't want any part of that for sure. No. So no, but there just Nevada, for instance, it, it's just it's it's always going to produce giant bulls. It, there's always going to be a handful of giants killed every single year. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely. So I I clicked on your um, on your Instagram. There's a link in your bio, and it's a YouTube video of you guys killing a 450 inch bull. What's the what was that? Sue Ann Kinney's bull. Yeah, that's that's a giant. Is that one of the bigger bulls you guys have been a part of? <laughs> well, that's the state record, isn't it? Yeah, for Nevada, yeah, for sure. So Sue Ann, mm-hmm. she's, I mean, she's awesome. You know, she's great to hunt with, everything else. Um, and luckily enough to be able to purchase some of these statewide tags and stuff like that. And... Um, the year prior, she killed a 
killed the the new state record. Uh, I think it was 434 gross, and I'm not exactly sure what it netted. Oh, high 419s, low 20s, something like that. But either way, mm-hmm. we called that bull twisted. And that same year, we had the opportunity to kill two ends statewide bull the following year you know the the giant the 450 bull um yeah and we figured that bull was 410 415 so that year we decided we was going to kill twisted and we was luckily enough to kill him the end of september and then talked with mike and sue ann and got them they bought the statewide tag again and we knew what bull we was hunting and we hunted for that bull the whole entire season and Again, I do not think we killed that bull till after the archery. We we had multiple people, you know, waiting, trying to kill that bull, hunting that bull, you know, buggering that bull, everything else. And to finally be able to kill him, oh, I want to say around the 24th or 26th of September, somewhere right in there. Again, just a very special moment, very special time to be in Nevada to be able to walk up on a bull like that. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be something crazy to walk up on a 450 plus inch bowl <laughs> yeah can't even imagine yeah it's it, it giant it's just an, an ultra giant no doubt <laughs> yeah okay so we kind of skipped we talked about if there you said there's probably a 350 inch bowl in any unit in, in nevada what so let's kind of talk about deer again do you think that almost any unit in Nevada could produce a 200-inch deer? For the most case, yeah. You know, there's definitely the better units or the more, you know, right. historically historically best units in the state that have always produced a handful of the 200-inch deer. But, you know, there's there's always a chance in about every unit for for something, you know, special to be there. You know, I mean, you can look at even like the numbers units, the, the area sevens, the area tens, the area sixes. Um, and one of our guides killed a 202 buck out of there two years ago on, on his personal tag and would have kept hunting if, if it wasn't the last day of the hunt, just because the, the hunt was so epic. It just, it kept get, getting better every single day. And he didn't, he didn't harvest until the last day of the season. And the only reason he did was because it was the last day. If, you know, if the, the hunt would have gone till November 6th, he would have, wouldn't have killed a deer till November 6th. He, he was just having that kind of fun. So, yes, even, uh-huh. even the number units in, in Nevada, you know, the, the ones with the high levels of tags still have the opportunity to kill giants. Yeah, I think that's what what's special about Nevada. We kind of talked about it before the um, before we started the podcast, but just like it is possible, and it's probably like you said, a little more rare now. But for a deer or even an elk to almost go on scene for for a while and kind of grow up in some of those cedar forests, and because um, there's a lot of thick country. Yeah, it definitely the terrain. And the topography in Nevada helps to keep some of these animals alive. There, there's absolutely no doubt about that. I mean, some of this stuff, this, this work that they've been doing with the chainings and whatnot has opened up some of the country and all of a sudden leaves some of these deer, for instance, they feel naked because all of a sudden their home's wide open and they're still living there. And then it gives us the opportunity to hunt them. I mean, we've, we've hunted multiple bucks in the last five or six years 
um, in areas that were full cedar, pinion, pine country, you know, not not really feasible to hunt the animals. And then when they opened that, that country, all of a sudden that deer is susceptible for us to hunt him and kill him. Yeah, that's that's kind of a game changer for sure. <laughs> yeah, it is, but it, they get blown out right quick. I mean, there's some areas that went from, you know, somewhere where you wanted to be hunting every single day to you just blow by it now, you know, because it's it's been overhunted and it's time to move on and go, go somewhere else. But, it, again, it's like anything else. You're, you're constantly evolving trying to find that new hotspot, that new area that, that you want to have your clients in. Right, yeah. You want to be hunting the best of the best. Well, yeah, exactly. That's that's the name of the game, you know. So, so with the draw coming tonight, let's say, um, if you're unlucky and you don't draw any tags, you guys have some um, landowner opportunities um, tag that's available. Is that is that correct? Yes, yeah, we, we're we constantly looking for landowner tags. We constantly have a handful in our pocket and ha- most of the time are able to find a tag if somebody's looking for one. Okay, so what's the best way for listeners, if they draw a tag or um, are looking for a landowner tag, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you guys? Um, they can call my cell. Russ Collard, 801-735-8001. They can email me at russ at mossback.com. They can call Doyle at 801-372-8311 and email Doyle at doyle at mossback.com. Awesome. Yeah, I'll I'll post that up too so um, they can, listeners can see it, but yeah, we're getting excited for tonight. I'm crossing my fingers. I drew a, yeah. I've drawn the last two years, but I turned I turned my tag back because last year I drew the strip, and then the year before I just then I drew my fifth choice. And I spent some time and I just couldn't find the type of buck I was looking for. But yeah, and that's, that's, that's the nice year thing ago. about Nevada is is you were able to to draw a fifth choice tag, go out and scout that unit, decide you didn't, you weren't interested or could not find the animal that you were looking for, the type of quality, um, and to be able to turn that tag in and still gain that point and, and be able to put back in the following year. And, and people need to look at Nevada as a very opportunistic state for non-residents to draw in because you you didn't draw your first choice you you drew your fifth so there's still a there's still a chance at number five versus only putting in for your first choice and and that's all you're ever going to draw right yeah and i that's what i really love about nevada because you can kind of like you said shoot for the stars for your first one two or three choices and then kind of something more realistic for your fifth and your fourth and fifth choice for something opportunistic and be but able to some, out, be out in the woods scouting throughout the summer. Right. And, I mean, sometimes you can get lucky on those less, like we talked about before, less sought-after tags. I mean, sometimes you can find giants with those. So, 
You never know. Like I like hey, you never know what you're gonna find in Nevada. It's <laughs> kind of sure, a, man. Well, nice for sure. I hope when I wake up, we start getting bombarded with calls. <laughs> yeah, let's hope so. Well, I appreciate you getting on. I know you're in bear camp right now, so good luck with that. You said you've already got some bears on the ground, so. Anyways, hopefully yeah, we got a couple more leaks here. Okay, there we go, and then you're off to Nevada. <laughs> start, yeah, yeah, start. I can't wait, man. Okay, well, thanks again for getting on. I I appreciate it. Um, is there anything you want to kind of end with or say that we didn't go over? Man, yeah, like anybody that wants to give us a shout and talk to us and and. Uh, give us a try over there i mean i feel like we're the best in the state and we just keep striving to be the best and and looking for the best quality animals in every unit possible and we can fit a hunt to anybody's you know we can accommodate anybody any situation any unit let's go hunting perfect yeah well you definitely have the track record to prove that and <laughs> oh man, just looking through your Instagram like I said, it's just it's crazy the the caliber caliber of animals you guys are putting down year after year, so sweet. Well twenty twenty is not gonna be any different. Let you guys know this episode is brought to you by Scout to Haunt, the completely free offline GPS mapping app. So go ahead and uh check those guys out as well. All right.